Okay, listeners, g'day. It's Adrian Bow back with the Adrian Bow podcast. And we are at episode 81. And I'm absolutely delighted today to be interviewing uh, someone I've got to know quite well lately. Um, and I'm at his office as we speak, actually. I just did some coaching with some of his crew. Um, and it's Ben Pike, um, co-director of Pulse Property in Miranda in the Sutherland uh, Shire here. Ben, how are you doing, buddy? I'm very well. Appreciate the opportunity. Ah, no problem, mate. Um, it's just been really nice sitting in the office here and then coaching a few of your guys. Uh, we've been doing some really cool stuff together lately, so I really appreciate that opportunity in, in, in itself. Um, Matt, just thought we'd kick off initially um, just with the genesis of Pulse Property. Um, what was your journey like prior to that in the industry and, 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 and how did Pulse come about? It's a very good question. So 17 years in the industry this year, yeah. which feels like an eternity for a <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. Um, I started off very green, 18 in an admin role. I started in that role for the best part of six years, which a lot of young agents probably don't want to hear. Yes. Um, learned from the ground up, running around pre-internet days, believe it or not. Uh, oh, I believe it, mate. I was there. <laughs> I remember running the uh, photos around to Kodak. Um, from there, I end up going to a sales role. Um, stayed in that office for about... Another two years, thereabouts, and then I was headhunted to another bigger office locally. Mm-hmm. Spent some good quality time there, learned a lot, met a lot of great people. Um, and then about six, six and a half years ago, made the decision to pull the trigger to leave that office and start my own um, with Lucas Pratt, which you're aware of, my business partner. Have a look back. Fantastic. And um, with those previous businesses, were they like a larger franchise group that you're involved with or were they independent? Yeah, so I worked in two offices outside of Pulse. The first one uh, was a franchise, mm-hmm. small family business, only seven staff. Mm-hmm. And then I went from there to another business, which is growing very quickly. Uh, I think when I joined, there may have been around 20-odd staff. Yep. Uh, that business now, I think, has over 100 staff. Right. So okay. I saw them grow quite quickly. Which suburbs were they located in? Started off in Gaimir, here in Southern Shire, and then went to Cronulla after that. Have you been born and bred in the Shire? I have, lived in my entire life, like everyone in the Shire. All the jokes are true. Oh, really? They're true. No one seems to leave. (laughs) And um, was it a natural progression for you to get into real estate, like after you left school, or was it by default? It's another good question which no one's ever asked me. It's um, It wasn't my first option, believe it or not. So when I was at school, I actually got picked up to a pathway program to Qantas, and I was starting to be a pilot. Right. Uh, believe it or you not. You look like a pilot. I look like a pilot. Exactly. <laughs> Has anyone told you that before? <laughs> they have told me that before. Ah, there you go. Um, and then, uh, I guess in the early 2000s, Qantas went through their tough times, pulled back the funding, and my parents didn't have the budget and the ability to put me through the training. At the time, it was about $600,000. Wow. For commercial pilot's license. So as soon as I got that happened, about 18, 19, into real estate, I've not looked back. Wow. So, so if Qantas had the funding... You're saying it wouldn't it wouldn't have costed that much, or it wouldn't have cost anything. I had a full scholarship. Wow! So it would have been no cost. At all. Uh, very minimal, yeah. So it was training, and then on the on the job training, um, but next to yeah. So how did you get the scholarship? You must have done some hours flying. Uh, at school, there were 16 people from New South Wales um, that went through Bass Air through Bankston Airport uh, as part of Padstow Tape, which is I think a lot of kids do now. They do the traineeships or. Mm. Um, Apprenticeships through school. Mm. That was sort of the first period of that. Right. We're going back now to 2000-ish. Yep. And was that 
an aspiration as a, as a youngster, the pilot? It was. Really? Yeah. And how do you think that came about? Was it just every time you went on a plane with your family, your uh, uncle? Or? From my grandfather, he owned an automobile uh, business, um, had a private plane, um, always been into engines and planes. Yeah. Cars weren't my thing. Yeah. Um, like everyone, everyone looked up to pilots in those days. Yeah. So that, that's what we call like a sliding doors moment because, you know, everyone knows about the movie Sliding Doors, you know, yes. like you either go in one direction or the other. And this was this was by, not by choice, obviously. It was, you know, 600000 I mean, that, that's a hell of a lot of money. So you still would have had the opportunity if you could come up with the funds, right? Yep. Um, tell me, that potentially sort of crushed a dream, if you like, that you may have had for some years, you know, maybe maybe sort of 10 years or something. How, how did that feel at the time? Do you even remember it? It's funny, I do remember it. Um, and how real estate came about when I was at school, I was that kid that, you know, they say, distracts everybody else and everything else and always chatting. And the teacher said, you should be a real estate agent. And as soon as that dream sort of didn't come to fruition, I remember someone saying, you should do real estate. And that's as simple as it was. Wow. Um, next week I enrolled. When did the license course whilst working for 12 months? Yep. And I think, you know, everything has a way of working itself out. I don't regret it for a minute. Yeah. I wouldn't be where I am now, wouldn't have the business, but more importantly, my family wouldn't have met my wife, wouldn't have the two kids. Yes. A lot of the people I did that with back then that went into the industry are now living in Korea, they're living in Dubai. So they're not, you know, they don't have the family network, the friends. Right. So, okay, so yeah, yeah, so th there was a nucleus of people that actually did end up going through. They did, yeah. And 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 you've kept in touch or observed them through Facebook or whatever, and yeah. and they literally did leave a completely different life to, to what you're living now. Which in your view, which in your view at the moment, doesn't seem like the type of lifestyle that you'd necessarily want to have at the moment anyway. Definitely not. I've known, known you for a short period of time, but you can probably tell how structured I am. Yeah. I don't know how I go with shift work and international yeah. hours and hotels and yeah. not having a routine. Yeah. So I think in, in my long time, I'm probably built for real estate. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a really good metaphor for life, Ben, because there's outcomes in life, right? And that was one outcome. Now it would have been so easy to label that as a bad outcome at the time. Um, and I think this is important for all of us to learn because, you know, something happens to us and we're just so quick to default it as either a good or a bad outcome. But I think you need to wait and give it time before you provide any label at all because now with the benefit of hindsight, we're looking at that and labelling it potentially as a good outcome, right? right yeah. Yeah, so, so I think that's a metaphor for everyone in life, whether it's losing a listing or whether it's breaking up in a relationship or whether it's losing a business partner or whether it's, you know, like they, they seem catastrophic at the time, but you've got to give it time before you provide it a label. And, like, I know that better than anyone, you know, obviously I went through a rough period sort of 18 months ago and, it, of course, I labelled it as a, as a terrible outcome. And, and people were telling me, Adrian, mate, you're going to look back in 12 months and be laughing, Right. And you know what? I was listening to these people, but I wasn't actually taking it in. I was like, man, how can how can that be true? Like, you know, I'm hurting here, you know. And uh, you know, people like made up all this stuff, and you know, all this sort of stuff. And but 
now, literally 12, 18 months later, I would um, laugh. I'm not laughing facetiously at anyone in particular, but I'm certainly happier. Um, I'm making more money if that, if that is a, an acceptable metric to anyone. Um, I love what I do. I get to work with heaps of cool people that I, that I only choose to work with rather than being forced to work with. And I don't have the crazy accountability or hours that I had before. So, so I now look back retrospectively and label it as a good outcome, not a bad where at the time, if someone told me that, I would just would have said, no way. This is no. the worst worst thing that's ever happened in my life, you know. Um, so I think that's a really cool metaphor. Hey, um, Ben, when you first got into the industry, was it straight into sales or did you go through the property management? Phase? I did property management, but right. I went straight into, again, it was a small team of six. Yeah. So I was working under the owner and his son. Um, it was sales, but it was more doing the letterbox drops, physically putting the uh, boards out. Yeah. Eight by fours and building them. Uh, it was dropping off contracts, building a pest reports. It was all the go for running round work. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into doing open for inspections and callbacks and sales roles, so to speak. Like I said, for my six years. So looking at that, that is what we call like in a sales associate role, but it probably didn't have a name then, right? Didn't know. No, it was just what an assistant sales assistant. Yeah, maybe. It was like not a, even that. A sales admin for the office. It was yeah. The times of people having the teams. Or, or, or even to use worst agent vernacular, a gopher. You probably were a gopher. Without question, that was my role. <laughs> yeah, label it, that's what it was. Yeah, okay. So isn't it interesting now that we look back and think our industry, not just in property management but in sales, actually has different roles within both of those business units. So, you know, when I first started in property management, you were a property manager. <laughs> but now you've got new business, you've got leasing and you've got property management. In sales, you were in, either in sales or you weren't back then. Now you've got an admin assistant, you've got an associate agent, you've got a lead gen person and you've got the listing lead agent, right? So it's amazing how the industry has evolved within a relatively short period of time. And, and you've been very successful in developing an effective business unit or an EBU, and we're working together at the moment on that and on improving that. And good for you. And I, I always tell your team, you know, that 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 Ben and Lucas are part of the Smart Brigade because they're they're you know two people in the industry that are, are doing well but want to do better and have put their hand up and said, Bowie mate, um, please come into our business and move the needle and and you know. People, some people are aware that one of my modules is this sort of virtual sales manager type module, which is my role here at Pulse, which is really meeting the agents on a one-on-one basis, making them accountable on a weekly basis and having them um, uh, being able to call or email me anytime and having access to me. And the reason we do this is, and when I first spoke to Ben about it, I said, Ben and Lucas, you guys need to focus on your highest and best use at this stage. You don't have the luxury of scale yet. You don't have the luxury of, um, you know, uh, of, of 10 offices. Like your highest and best use at this point in your career is to list and sell real estate. There's no doubt about it. So you're still always going to be a business owner. So there's still going to be 10, 15, maybe 20% of your time, which is occupied with being a business owner, but not, not, 80% of your time, which unfortunately there are a lot of principles in that space, right? And as I was talking to Shannon in, 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 in the podcast with him is that, you know, what equips you to be an agent certainly doesn't equip you to be a business owner. 
right? And you've learned that, Ben. Oh, you've learned that. And I use the metaphor with Shannon of, of golf because I was like, you know what? I reckon the golf club is the most poorly designed utensil to hit a ball in a small hole, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Being an agent is probably the most poorly designed skill set to become a business owner, right? So there was an analogy there which I think makes sense. So you obviously learnt it. You obviously made the decision, which, which was a good decision in hindsight, but I'm sure it wasn't without its, its pain points, right? So let's talk about that, that transition from agent to business owner. It's, we're obviously a lot further progressed now within six years, but I think if I can give advice to anybody listening is at the start, you think you need to be everything to everybody. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is just trying to retain ownership of everything. Mm-hmm. The old saying, but let go to grow yes. is the best thing. And it did take me, and I'm still learning to everyone listening, it's probably taken me two to three years to realise that. The more people that you can have helping you that specialise in a particular field is going to give you more time to do what you enjoy and in turn what you're good at, which is better for business. You can't try and do everything. Yeah. And bringing you in, which we just alluded to, has been phenomenal. Not only has it freed me up, but, and we say this really honestly, People don't like to admit what they don't know. And the sales team having a third party to go to, they're enjoying it, they're loving it. I guess the energy is higher and the results are there. Mm-hmm. So it's something we should have done, you know, two years ago. Uh, look, I'm stoked to be part of the team, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing that I can bring that objective, fresh set of energy and eyes and ears. And, and that's what I tell you and all my clients is, you know what, I want to see what you can't see and hear what you can't hear because you're entrenched daily in this business um, and that objectivity I think is, 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 is crucial. Um, so now that you've made this decision, Ben, um, and you've got Lucas as your business partner, when you embarked on business ownership, did you even consider the franchise model? Wow, that's, that's uncommon. Uncommon? Um, the franchise to me, I look at it, I think, Early on, it would have been the easy answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I say that is because they prepare a website and a business card and a shop front and a website and all the back-end collateral marketing. Mm-hmm. Doing that from scratch takes time and it's a bigger budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lucas and I wanted to go into a scenario where we had full control over everything from the CRM to how we market, how we employ, so we don't regret it. It just takes more time and a bigger budget in the early days. And did Lucas come from a franchise background in, in the business he was working in previously? He didn't, no, no. So independent. He went from two independent offices to Pulse, yeah. Yeah. So when you made the decision, um, was was Lucas a friend or a colleague? He was a colleague. Um, so at the time, I made the decision that where I work, was working was not for me anymore, mm-hmm. not because I wasn't enjoying it, but I wanted to do something for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas, same theory, was going to go do something himself. It wasn't until he called me maybe a week after we both left an office and said, hey, what are you doing? I'm thinking of doing this, that we caught up and it became what it was. Fantastic. You know, I've got to say, you know, your, your team and the culture and the energy, and I know it's evolving every day and it's been six or seven years, but it's definitely a very sustainable business already. Um, um, if you don't mind sharing, um, what's what, what, what sort of numbers? Let, let's let, don't worry about GCI, but just number of sales, say in, in a twelve-month period, or you know, what 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 would the, the business be used to doing? Around four hundred sales per annum. Okay, that's that's sizable. And property management, all organic, is it? 
Uh, we have picked up red rolls along the way. We've learned our lessons with that also. Yeah. Um, the red rolls is just over 500. Very good, very good. Um, and now that you obviously are a sales agent, a business owner, a husband and a father, um, there's a lot of myths about work-life balance, right? Um, and I've got a theory in real estate that work-life balance is, is, is a misnomer. What I mean by that is it's a terminology that doesn't really exist. You have to really embrace that real estate is a lifestyle. It doesn't mean that you can't cannibalise your, your, your family time at all. It just means that your family need to accept that it is a lifestyle. Um, but you still need to configurate your time somehow. How do you do it? It's something that I definitely need more help with. Mm. Um, and this year I'm trying to make it more important to have a better balance. Mm. These guys will turn the office on the first one in and the last one out I'm doing six and a half days a week. It's been sustainable for the best part of 17 years. Mm. Um, but now with two little ones, which you alluded to, my goal is to try and be around them more and manage, managing the diary and putting in you know, what's important to me. So does that literally, from a pragmatic sense, Ben, look like, you know, if there's a school recital or something immediate, it just goes in the diary and that's takes priority? It is. Uh, tomorrow's a good example. My daughter's been swimming now for the best part of 12 months. Mm -hmm. She's two. I'm going to her first swim lesson tomorrow. Right. And it's in the diary. No one can change it's in that. in the diary. Yeah. I actually had an appraisal pop up. Didn't take it. Handed it to somebody else so I can make the appointment. That's a great tip for people listening, guys. It's like, you know what? We're very, very good at prioritising, you know, a listing or a buyer appointment or whatever. But, um, you know, I think you've got to be equally uh, as, as organised um, when it comes to family matters. And, and the diary, you know, we, we do live and die by our diary. So if it's got to go in there and your team members need to know about it, so be it, right? It's something I've got to work on. It's something this year I do. Stands with that, right? That's yeah. the one place I can improve. That's it. Does it even go as far as your wife sending you a calendar invite or so, sending oh, you an email? And you laugh, yeah. <laughs> if it's dinner with family, friends, yeah. birthdays, one-year-old birthday parties, engagement party, it's on the diary, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so she does send me calendar invites for everything. Yeah, I've experienced this. So that's why. That's why I've gone. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. I look, it's, it's but it's it's pragmatic, right? It's, it is. You've got to do it. Um, what what advice would you give to younger agents or any any age, in fact, but that are struggling with this? You know, whether whether they've got kids or whether they've got a partner, or whether they need to spend more time at home, or whether they need to spend more time with fitness. I mean, you seem to me like you you do it all because I know you exercise daily. I know you're spending time with family, and I know you, you're entrenched in your business. So from the outside looking in. It seems perfect, but I know nothing's perfect. So I know that there's there's inclusion somewhere. Um, but to the best of your ability, you seem to be doing it better than most, okay? What are some other tips, like apart from just making family time a priority, there's got to be something else to it, right? Being organised. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's just routine. So okay. it sounds really simple, and I guess there's no easy answer. Mm -hmm. I get up at the same time, I train at the same time, I get in the car at the same time, I come to work at the same time. And it, it does set you free. So having your diary in place, knowing in advance, week in, week out, I know what I'm doing next Thursday, next Friday, next Saturday, to the minute. Mm -hmm. So it's not fun, it's not sexy, <laughs> but it works. 
Success leaves clues, guys. Um, ben just said it. Routine sets sets you free, and and I think exactly what he said when he when he mentioned it's not sexy, it's not fun. That actually just describes real estate, yeah. and it actually describes um, what most people probably are delusional about when they first get in the industry. They think it's glamorous. And as you know, you know, I just had one of your guys in here and I said to him, man, you, you're going to be a glorified telemarketer for the next four months. Yeah. So just accept that. Um, and, and that's what it looks like when you first get in the industry. Like, you know, let's, let's not worry about the flashy cars or the open for inspection days when it, and that's, that's only a very small part of it. But during the week, it's grinding, it's hustling, it's calling, it's, you know, meeting, it's kissing a lot of frogs until you actually get to one listing because you might have to do, 10 appointments to actually get one listing. You might have to do six buyer appointments until they find the right property. So I think what you described is actually describing, um, you know, real estate in general. But in saying that, your family have to subscribe to this though, right? So they have to be supporters. Like it's, this ain't gonna work if they, they're, they're not attached to the same outcome, right? Because obviously you guys have had a family discussion. It's like, you know what? This is something I need to do. We've, we've got to link arms you've got to believe in me and this is something that I, that I need to do for myself and for my, for us as a family unit. Is that, is that a discussion that's actually taken place? That is, and you won't get a more understanding partner than me. So Laura, my wife, I've been with her now for, I hate if I get this wrong, 15 years, 16 years. Wow. Um, but outstanding. She understands, you know, I do get home a little bit later than most. I squeeze things where I can. Um, but I have made the effort now, you know, every 10 weeks, I'll take a two-week break. At the moment, if it's on a trip, it's family time, it's events, it's going to swimming lessons, little things, going out for dinner, whatever it is that we all enjoy. Okay. So just getting back to agencies, so how do those 400 sales, yep. how many is your team responsible for? 150. That's massive. That's massive. Yeah. So you, just so you know, volume-wise in the country would be in the top 5%. So, I don't know if that's, you knew, knew that's that. Good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So volume-wise, you'd be in the top 5%. There's no question about it. Potentially 3 to 5% actually, just, just so you know. Um, now, I know your team because I'm working with them, but it'd be great if you could mention each team member's name and what they do, yeah. including you and your role and each one of their roles, because this is an area where a lot of people are very interested in. I'll start with the most important role, which is Michelle King, which you've met. Uh, Michelle has run the back end of my team as a business manager and admin, whatever you want to call it. Michelle was responsible for managing the entire team from diaries to marketing to feedbacks. She runs my entire life. I would be lost without her. She's been with me now for five years. Um, she actually stepping away very soon for 12 months for mat leave. I will miss her immensely. Um, next person in my team is Bianca. Bianca is fantastic. She's 24. Um, she's in a sales associate role, so she's learning the sales process. Her work resolves around prospecting off our listings, our sales, booking buyer appointments. Mm -hmm. um, I've got Tracy and Alyssa, which were both standalone agents for many years and very successful in their own right. Um, Alyssa had a child and decided that she wanted to pull back a little bit and working the team gave her the opportunity to do that. Same with Tracy. Uh, and then we've just taken on Lachlan and Lachlan's role is that role that, you know, I started in, well, we've got the golfer role, but, you know, he's running around, he's doing the letterbox drops, best in build reports, putting out pointer signs, buyer inspections, you know, just getting a feel for what we do. Fantastic. It's a really good description. Um, now, 
In terms of retention and culture, like they're, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, you seem to have a pretty good retention rate. And from what I can sense, quite good culture. I know nothing's perfect, right? But certainly better than most businesses that I've walked into. Um, what are some of the either proactive initiatives you undertake to achieve that or even just um, uh, uh, initiatives that, 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 that might just happen as, as, as a routine, if you like, that are not necessarily strategic? Very fortunate. Since we've had Pulse, I haven't had anyone leave my personal team. Um, Adam and Blake are in my personal team now. They've gone out to standalone roles. So I've been fortunate to retain them in the business. Um, and again, like everything, I can get better at that as well. But I think everybody wants something different. I think if you're you know, smart enough to pick up early what's important to them, work with them on that, um, train, look after them, reward them, not just financially, but with praise, with responsibility is one thing I've learned, giving people more. Um, you know, I think, you know, the old saying, you, know, you give what you, so you get what you give and you just treat them with respect. They're my family at the end of the day. I see them more than my actual family mm-hmm. and I treat them the same way. Well, I've got to say the, the perfect model, the perfect model is when you've got, when you've got associates that were in your team that you just mentioned that have actually now standalone agents within your business like that's that's what everyone really needs to have. Yet it doesn't happen all the time. A lot of people leave the business altogether and go and set up somewhere else, either as a business owner or as another agent or whatever. Um, so you, you're doing you're doing something really well. What's an example? Like you mentioned that you. So what I heard in there, Ben, was acknowledgement, appreciation, yep. financial remuneration, obviously. Um, responsibility and recognition. That's what I heard in there. What's an example, though, from a practical level of, of one of those initiatives? I think as a team, it's almost like a team sport. There's going to be days where someone does outstanding. It's acknowledging that the team gets around them, right. but also picking the person up when they've had a bad day, whether it's at work or at home, not being too structured around if they've had a bad day, we'll send them home, look after them, send them get a massage, buy them a gift. Whatever it is, just to keep them upbeat and positive, mm-hmm. um, and they do the same for me, like, like you do for your family, right? Your kids, yeah. your wife, your partner, whoever it is. Yeah. If you look after them, they'll look after you. And, and culturally, what's their meeting frequency? Is there is there a, a sales meeting or a team meeting weekly or fortnightly? Or- the office has uh, two meetings per week with uh-huh. the entire sales team. My team meets every morning, just quickly, yeah. fifteen minutes. Um, just around what we're doing for the day, any loose ends, who's responsible for what, and the next day we recap what was done, how it was done, mm-hmm. if any was missed, and what's on for the next day. And the, the office meetings that are two per week, let us know about the agenda for those. Agenda for those, we go through as a team what's been listed, what's been sold, mm-hmm. if anybody needs any help with a particular deal, mm-hmm. um, targets and would you put in place which is around the meetings face to face oh that's right because you've introduced the, the the kpis that i've given you to the team now meetings is that a monday is that right uh so they email it to you on a monday yeah and then we discuss them off on the tuesday on the tuesday right okay um and and how's how's that proven to to be in terms of transparency and is there sort of does some recognition come out of it maybe some some embarrassment not not intentionally but has it proven to sort of been raise awareness around people's numbers it raises the standard yeah. because people especially in sales are you know they are competitive yeah and i think if someone sees someone else doing exceptionally well they look and go you know what if they can do it i can do it mm. 
And in this particular team, the person that's doing well will go and grab the person that's not and say, hey, this is how I'm doing it. Do you want mm. to help with this? Mm. And vice versa, the person that's had you know, the weaker of the week, so to speak, mm. will open up and say, I've had a poor week. This is what I've done. Mm. And someone will say, you know what, maybe try this. And if it's not within the team, they reach out to you mm. and you've been exceptional to help them out. Excellent. Yeah, so that's what we call display management or awareness management. So full transparency. Um, you know, there's uh, Ray Dalio. I don't know if anyone's heard of Ray Dalio, but he Principal. runs principles. Yeah. So he, he runs the biggest hedge fund in the world. You know, so he wrote the book Principles. You're right. Um, you've read it yourself. Oh, yeah. Okay. Outstanding. So he's got this theory about radical transparency. So in his hedge fund, um, uh, we basically in the boardroom, there's a tape recorder. Every single meeting at every single level, board level to, to middle management to whatever, gets recorded. Any team member that wants to listen to it can go and listen to it. So that's display management on steroids, right? Um, so I'm glad that we're doing it here as a business because it's not to be big brother. It's there to say, you know what? If you're not having a great week, let me pick you up, let me empower you and let me help you. That's what you're saying. And it shows you what's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and taking, so, and you, is it the same agenda for twice a week? Uh, twice a week is just a recap on the week. If right. anyone needs help with deals, getting ready for auction, where buyers are up to, yes. just so the group is across everything that's taken place yeah. over the past four days. And what time does that take place? That one Friday morning. Friday morning. What time of the day? Eight o'clock. And the other one is eight o'clock as well? Good. And you, the, the attendance is compulsory? <laughs> Good. I'll one minute. On the minute. I love they will tell you two minutes late and you don't come in. Yeah, perfect. I love that. That was the John Rao <laughs> theory back in the day. Yep. Mate, you, if, you, if you relate, you just, and that's something that I've carried through in all my businesses. And uh, look, it's tough, but I've got to tell you, every single person that's worked in my team, you know, initially they'll say, mate, yeah, geez, you're, you're a hard taskmaster, but later in their career will say, you know what, thank you, because, mate, it's helped me immensely. And I'm sure. It's obviously happened to you as well, Ben. And that's the only way to do it. Any way to do it. Yeah, totally. Um, the the model you've got, um, it's independent. It's called Pulse. I haven't asked you where the name Pulse come from, so I'd like to do that now before I ask <laughs> the next question. Yeah, that's a good question. We're throwing our names going back six, seven years ago. Yeah, and all we didn't want was to call it Pratt and Pike or Pike yeah, and Pratt. So it. we picked something completely third party. Mm. I'd be lying if I could tell you how it came about now. It's been a years down the track. It popped up. We yeah. loved it. We grabbed it. So it wasn't, it wasn't like you appointed some marketing guru to, to put together a, a package. Later on, it worked out well because we did pick up someone from Surrey Hills who did a rebrand for us a few years back. Right. And they loved it. And they played around with it. Yeah. But it was definitely not the plan originally. No. It worked out well. At the moment, we've got one office. One office. We've got a sales roster of how many agents altogether? There'll be six standalone and a couple of teams in there. A couple of teams, yeah. What's, what's our plan and what's our growth trajectory? Because I've certainly seen the best and worst of growth, you know, obviously coming where I came from. Um, and, and I've seen growth for growth's sake. I've seen um, people focusing on profit over people and I've seen the reverse. So I've literally seen the best and worst. And, you know, McGraw is an amazing business, was an amazing business, still is. Um, but, you know, obviously over 26 years, I was exposed to a lot, a lot, and it was a roller coaster. Um, what's, what's your growth plans, if any? 
Lucas and I are definitely on the same page with this. We would rather have everyone wants to grow, right? You're either growing or dying, mm. what everyone says, but we would rather have 15 standalone teams doing exceptionally well mm -hmm. than having 30 agents and half of them struggling. Yeah. So for me, it's not about having the biggest team in the area or the most market share, but it's having people that we enjoy working with that fit the culture, longevity, respect, and just good quality people. And I think we've done a good job. You know, It's not the biggest team in our area, but pound for pound, I would arguably say the most successful. In terms of being maybe the most productive per agent. Yeah, yeah. Like, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you, before retention, yeah. retention of this office is exceptional for our industry. Okay, and do you have recruitment plans for further agents, assuming yeah. they fit that criteria? Because I agree with you, those metrics are critical with culture, um, um, respect, and, 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 and obviously synergy with the brand, all of that. But are we open to recruitment? Always open to new people, and we do it a little bit different to most. Mm -hmm. We will give anybody an interview, regardless of the role, mm -hmm. because you never know when you'll need them. And if it's a great person, you'll always make room for them. Um, but before they end up signing a contract of sale within the team, they will come in and they will do almost like a test day, a couple of days with that particular unit. So if it's sales, they'll come and join the sales team for a couple of days. If it's admin, it's with the admin team. Mm -hmm. At the end of the two to three days, we catch up as a team and we vote on if that person is the right fit. Right. Okay. So very collective around that. Interesting. And what's your radar like for recruiting new agents? Do you have a strategy around it or you just have an awareness that if someone's sort of doing well, you might catch up with a coffee or yeah. are you more about organic recruitments like the two associates you've got, like Blake, et cetera, who's gone yeah. in on their own or is it both? Is it both? Organic in-house and pushing them in by themselves would be the first part. Yes. I definitely haven't been the agent that's been, you know, calling and having coffees and dining other agents. Yeah, we haven't done that. Mm -hmm. um, I probably should be doing that, to be fair. But we've been lucky with the brand, I guess, and the reputation that we've had a lot of people call us. That's good. So it's sort of an attraction business, which is good. But again, I could take your point that we probably should be recruiting heavier. Um, well, I, I'm not necessarily recommending that because, I, as I said, I've seen the worst and best of growth. And I've got to tell you that the, the only way to grow your sales business, whether it's volume or GCI, is two things. Either make your incumbent agents more productive or yep. recruit new agents. It's not rocket science, right? There's only those two things. Um, and I've got to tell you, I've grown a lot of businesses um, and I've tried both. And I, I must say that the former, which is organic growth and making your agents more productive, I had a lot more success with than recruiting new agents. And saying that, I've recruited new agents and done very well. But the best success I had was identifying an agent who was doing three or four sales a month, who was, had very, very good skill set, however, was not focused on the right things. They were focused on a lot of non-dollar productive activities. So plugging in, agent-funded, usually agent-funded, convincing them that they need support so they can focus just on listing, selling, prospecting, keeping a deal together and, and repeating that. And I've got to tell you, you know, so it's no secret that I, you know, opened an office in Coogee and made it a 10 to $12 million office within 18 months. Um, and it was the number one office in the network within a very short period of time from scratch. And I adopted both strategies, recruiting and organic growth. And I had, 
I had the most success with that organic growth because I made a few mistakes with recruitment, you know, with putting people on and like we all have. Um, and then, I, you know, at McGraw, I was fortunate enough to buy offices and rebrand them, recruit new offices as a franchise. And, and it's, it's not easy. Let me tell you, like a lot of people think, wow, you know, you have the resources of McGraw, you must have people lined up. And it's like, it's not that easy. People don't like change, whether you're an agent or a franchisee or, or whatever, people don't like change. So it's actually like your pipeline database. That's what I, that's what I liken it to. So, you know, you've got people on your database, Ben, you've been talking to for seven years, right? And maybe next year you'll list their house. It's the same with recruitment. That's my coaching to everyone, whether you're recruiting franchisees, agents, associates or whatever, you've got to create a database, same as you do your pipelines. Then, then you've got to create a nurturing plan, right, which is touch points, whether it's on their social media, recognise them, acknowledge them, calling them, having coffee with them. You don't, I don't think you have to do the whining and dining. That was never me and I was quite successful in recruitment. And I was never the, the whiner or the diner, but I was very good at adding value. So, you know, what I would do is 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 call an agent and say, look, why don't I catch up with you and I'll just give you a free coaching session. Um, and suddenly I'd, I'd started adding more value than their own principal was. And with zero expectation of any um, remuneration or any any recruitment, just, just really to add value. And suddenly it's a sort of the relationship evolved and they became attracted to that resource, you know. So that, that was always my um, skill set in, in order to, and you don't have to be a master coach to do that. Like any business owner or any lead agent who's looking to recruit an associate could do it. Um, and coaching doesn't have to be high level coaching. It just can just be personal advice. It could just be, you know, how to create a better ideal day. It could be, you know, maybe a couple of tweaks on your listing appointment or whatever it might be. So that's my advice to anyone would be, the same as what made you successful as an agent will make you successful as a business owner or as a super team agent, which is become aware of who the market is, create a database and create some sort of touch points and recognition and acknowledgement of them. So, um, and you've done that, I think, subconsciously anyway. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think there's, there's, there's room for growth. And I'm always, I'm always about what's, what else is possible. So we've only just started working together and I can't wait to roll my sleeves up and, 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 and hopefully making you start to think a little bit bigger, not bigger for ego's sake, not bigger because we want to earn more money, or but just like, you know what, you've got a nucleus and a culture here which can be quite easily disseminated throughout other markets, in my opinion, right? And um, you're probably looking at me going, shit, is that really what I want to be doing? And maybe it's not, but, but I think I've got a theory that anything's possible, right? And, and uh, you know, and that, that's, that's how a lot of businesses start, you know? Um, so as we start to, to wrap up, mate, um, I think this has added a lot of value to, to a lot of agents just hearing your journey. Um, what couple of points as a sales practitioner yourself, you know, and doing 150 transactions a year with support. Sure, you've got a team, I get that. But yeah, but but in saying that, you know, and you're too modest to 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 tell people, but 80% or 90% of that 150, you're listing them and you're doing the 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 closing, right? And the vendor management, 80%. So that that's you're too modest to say, and I'm, I'm telling you that that's that's not easy to do. That's why I'm telling you you're in the top 
three to five percent of the country. Um, what what's allowed you to get to that level? Whether it's a piece of dialogue, whether it's a process, whether it's a piece of vendor management, whether it's buyer work. What's what are, what are a couple of things that may not be revolutionary? Maybe people have heard it before, but but certainly have helped you anyway. Definitely not uh, revolutionary. I think playing the long game. Like I said, I started an admin role for a very long time. When I first went into sales role, all I did was buy work. Um, and the office I was at, there was a couple of older agents that said, I don't want to touch apartments. Right. I'll never forget it. Yeah. So then I would say, I'll run the listing for you from start to finish. Yeah. You take the entire fee, you give me 20%, mm-hmm. and I'll list it, sell it, and manage it. Wow. So I did the work that no one wanted to do. And I just thought to myself, if I can, instead of try and collect commissions, if I can collect clients, meaning if I can over-service, if I can help them, if I can add value to them, at some point in the distant future, yes. it will come back. Love it. Whether if it's them in 10 years' time, if it's their mum, if it's their neighbour, someone they play sport with. Yeah. I always just thought long-term. And, you know, I didn't make any money in real estate, to be fair, for a very long time. Yeah. And now, like everyone says, oh, you're doing well doing it easy, all the rest of it. Yeah. There's still clients that I've been talking to for the best part of 16 years. Yes. That are just starting to, you know, pay dividends now. Yeah. So that's gold. That's absolute gold. So, you know, what what I love what you just said, instead of collecting commissions, you're collecting clients. Yeah. And you may not know, but that, that, that's what's called the law of reciprocity, which is you're giving, you're, you're providing output which one day will reciprocate, and that's why it's the law of reciprocity, will reciprocate, maybe not today, maybe not next year, maybe not in five years, but one day will be returned, whether it's a referral, repeat client, whether, you know, so that's, that's, that's absolute gold, you know, in, in saying that. What's, what's another thing that comes to mind, Ben? Structure. Yeah. Because anyone who speaks to my office, I will tell you structure. So my diary does not get in the way of anything. Yeah. So I really discipline my call sessions, which, you know, I'm honing in with you to get even better at. Yes. Um, a couple of years ago, again, letting go. So bringing in team members, mm-hmm. trusting them with what I'm giving them. Like callbacks or, or bar appointments or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. Speaking to a vendor after inspection, like the more you can let go and trust and give them the skill set, which is part of the reason you're here as well, to make the team even better. Mm-hmm. gives me more freedom, more time to try and list and sell. Yeah, I, I can't agree with that anymore. I mean, every time I grew my business, I let go of something, whether it was callbacks, buyer appointments, market appraisals rather than listing appointments. And every single time I was so paranoid that my business was going to go backwards and all it did was, was, was improve. So that let go, you know, to grow is just so true, you know, and you're living proof of it, you know. Um, they're really good tips. My last one, I think, yep. right before we go, is do the work that no one wants to do. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is everybody we work here in office where there's old data, where there's listings, where there's sales, yep. no one is servicing. Yep. So go and speak to someone who sold something, say, can I call the old five books? Mm-hmm. I'll give you a percentage if I list and sell something. Absolutely. I'm telling you now, yeah. the good agents in your office will be complacent. They'll let you do it. They will let you door knock yeah. around their listings. They'll let you drop around their listings because they won't do it. Absolutely. Well, I was just in a session with one of your guys who's just started four weeks ago. 
And uh, I said to him, what have we got at our disposal to go? And he said, oh, look, Ben's given me the old open house. I'm like, I said, dude, that is gold, mate. Like not many people will provide you that opportunity. So there's zero excuse here. So again, you're going to be a glorified telemarketer for the next 12 months. But the good news is you've got people to call and they're actually warm. They're not cold. So that's, that's, that's brilliant. Um, now, there's four quick questions I always finish the podcast with. Um, and it's meant to put you on the spot because, you know, <laughs> but, but, but whatever, whatever is visceral or instinctive, right? What's the best business decision you've ever made? Starting my own business yep. uh, and my business partner. Fantastic. Good By far the best. We're different people, but collectively, unstoppable. Good on you. Um, the worst decision you've made either in, in your selling business or, or your ownership business? Due diligence, buying rent rolls. Okay. Young. So not necessarily buying the remote, but actually just making sure the process, yeah. being too green, not understanding it well enough and making a mistake. Interesting. Um, what's a daily ritual that's not negotiable for you? Non-negotiable, training, meditating, reading, and making sure I uh, read my uh, book to my little girl before she gets to bed. Non-negotiable for anyone. Beautiful. With you, how long do you meditate for? 20 minutes. Have you got a mantra? Uh, I do, yes. You know, you, well, I'm not going to ask I'll you to share, share it. I'll share it. No, 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 because I know I, I, I study meditation too and I know you're not meant to share that mantra. No um, one has it. Headspace is how I started. Right. And gradually build up from one minute to two minutes to five minutes mm. until you're okay with the silence. It takes time. Look, it's meditation. For those who, who, are, who are listening will know that in isolation while you're doing it, especially when you first start, you think, this is this is nowhere, right? Well, well, nothing's happening. But incredibly, suddenly, other areas of your life just start improving, whether it's health, relationships, family, work, whatever. So, look, this is a 4,000-year-old practice. This is not hocus-pocus stuff. So if you don't know enough about meditation, technology, I had to actually do a course, you know, because, you know, I learned it 20 years ago. Um, but but as Ben said, Headspace, um, uh, there's app, there's plenty, Calm's another one, there's plenty of them there that will teach you how to do it. And look, you know, for those who don't know what meditation is, all it is, is, is being in peace and silence, allowing thoughts to come into your head, indulging those thoughts, but then letting them go. Um, and then repeating your mantra. So it's just an anchoring and a focus point, really, you know. So that way that those thoughts don't fester in your mind all day long, you know, they, they, you let them appear and then you, you either let them go or focus on them or, or, or then, then go back to the mantra. So that, that's all it is, really. I mean, it's a, that's a very cavalier way of describing it, as you know, but um, it's, it's not meant to be complicated, right? It's not. Last question is I get everyone to ask me any question you want. Any question I want. <laughs> On the record, no uh, no territory is off limits. My question will be, and you won't be expecting this one, Yeah. many years ago I called you when we'd never met and I asked you for advice yeah. and you took the time to answer it, not knowing who I was and what I was doing. Wow. And down the line it's the reason we work together. Wow. Do you do that for everybody? Yes. Yes. What, what did you ask? Um, going back a while now, I think it was around EBU um, and having enough confidence to put on a third person. Right. And at the time you said to me that question after you understood the model and what I was doing, right. um, I did that, remembered it many years down the line, and then I thought to myself, we're going to grow the entire business. 
Yeah. Who else do you speak to? Speak to Adrian Bo. That's amazing, man. Well, that just goes back to what we were talking about before, which is the law of reciprocity. So I took the time to take a call from you, what, seven years ago, maybe? Yeah, yeah. a while ago now. And now, now we've got a commercial arrangement where I'm your virtual sales manager and, and what a great relationship it is. So that, um, that sort of, yeah, that gives me chills up my spine because it actually gives me confidence in knowing that what I do every day is making an impact, you know, and I have got this altruistic attitude that the more you, you, the more value you add to other people, regardless who they are or what level they're at, it's sort of irrelevant because, you know, my legacy, because I don't have kids, my legacy will be improving the industry, number one, and two, um, increasing awareness of mental health in our industry because it is epidemic, unfortunately, and you'd, you'd be aware of that, which sort of goes to, you know, how I always finish up the podcast, which is, um, you know, if you want to catch up, anything to do with me, um, go to adrianbow.com. Love you to join the Academy because the proceeds of that go to Beyond Blue and Black Dog Institute, which is awesome. Um, and if you want to hit up uh, Ben Pike, uh, obviously pulseproperty.com.au and Insta, you're on um, Ben Pike, is it? Uh, should know, B underscore Pike. B underscore Pike, that's it. it. Yeah, there you go. awesome. Mate, that, that, really, um, that really sort of made me feel awesome, man. I really appreciate you. What goes around comes around. Yeah, I appreciate you telling me that. So, hey, listeners, until next time, um, this has been an awesome, awesome conversation right on 45 minutes. Ben, I really appreciate you taking your time out of a busy day to actually contribute to the Adrian Bow podcast listeners. They're going to get a ton of content out of this. So I, 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 I implore everyone to rewind and record and take notes and you know, whatever you can do because you, you've got someone here who's an outstanding operator, great business owner, great agent, great human being, great family man. And it, it busts the myth where it's like good guys finish last. They don't. They can finish first. And that's what Ben's doing. You don't have to be a, a slick lick salesperson to do well in real estate or you don't have to be a, a, a hustler with low integrity, that's for sure, because good guys do finish first and, and this is living proof of it. So well done, Benny. Um, so I appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for your time. Pleasure. Thanks, listeners. See you next week.